The Athen Real Talk podcast explores controversial ideas to stimulate debate and active thinking. These ideas do not always reflect Athen's personal views. Welcome to the Athen Real Talk podcast. He has been called the best gamer in the world, hands down. World famous gamer and philanthropist Athen. Gaming for good, it's called, has raised more than $20 million. Using his notoriety to raise money for charity. On activism, science, culture, and self-development. I'm proud to have him in the studio today. I would not want to take you on in a video game. So basically, when you want to understand who you are and what you are, what is very important is to understand where you come from. And I'm not talking about evolution billions of years. Of course, these things also can help. But this is more fundamental, like your consciousness. How does it arise? Where are the roots of it? And you can compare with a tree. When you look at a tree, when it's just a small plant and it starts growing, when you go back to the roots and stuff, you see a lot of the properties emerge from there. And you might say, okay, how does that relate to humans, to me? This is going to be extremely eye-opening if you fully can wrap your head around this. Basically, the way your brain works is you have the more primitive part of the brain, the amygdala, you know, the hippocampus and stuff, and then you go more to the more advanced parts of the brain. I keep repeating that every single time. But the thing is, like, what a lot of people don't realize is that it also fundamentally is how you are wired. So basically, what you have is, like, you have these fundamental needs of survival, like safety, warmth, love, and control, like home, a place of home. And what you have is you have these needs that you have, right? These primal survival needs. And then as you grow older, they become more intellectually framed. Basically, these emotions, these primitive emotions, these primitive urges start getting channeled through more intellectual concepts. And what you have to fully understand here is that the process is you have these urges and then you have the intellectual concepts. And that's why we can experience this disconnect with who we are. On one end, we have a thought and we know like, oh, this is what I should do. But on the other hand, you have these emotions pulling the other direction. So there is like a disconnect between who you are or who do you think you are on a rational part and then who you are on an emotional part. And it can really rip you apart and can make you beat yourself over these emotions and be mad at yourself and everything. But if you understand the hierarchy and you understand these emotions are there even before you're aware of them, then as a result, what you get is actually you're more in line with what you are. And this doesn't just apply to the emotions. When I say this, like this even applies to your thoughts. Even the thoughts are part of your primitive part of the brain. Don't quote me on this, but I do think that the hippocampus, I'm actually going to look at emotions and memory hippocampus, just making sure I don't say anything wrong. So even your thoughts emerge in your hippocampus. I don't know if it's for all your thoughts or memory, like memory, sorry, not thoughts, memories. Memories emerge from your hippocampus as well, as well as emotions. And the thing is, when you understand that, you understand when you have a thought popping up or when you have an emotion that it happens subconsciously. And it gets thrown at you. Basically, while you're walking around, your subconscious is constantly throwing stuff at you. And this is the subconscious is trying to understand itself. It's like these primitive urges of survival or warmth or safety trying to express themselves in a more intellectual way because the moment you can actually understand them and you can conceptualize them, that's when you can understand them on an intellectual level. And that's why self-knowledge and the ability to know yourself, the ability to translate these emotions into thoughts is a very, very important process. So now, why is this so important? By translating these core emotions into concepts, you are much more 
able and capable of organizing and structuring yourself and come to acceptance to certain emotions or certain uh, frustrations or do something about it. That's the beauty of how the brain works. We have a very strong ability to accept things when we know that there is no other way around it. Like our ability to accept, of course, one person can be better at it than another. But if you are very self-aware, you can be extremely capable of just accepting the reality for what it is because there is no need to fight it. It's like you have certain tests with that also with dogs and stuff that are, you know, getting shocks, electroshocks that at a certain point, they just don't even fight it anymore. They just accept it. It's kind of not the best example to give, but I just want to give you the example that acceptance is literally wired in who we are because fighting against reality is not the best thing for survival. Best thing you can do is accept it or if you can do something about it is work around it. So that's why you have this duality instinctively. The reason why we experience duality is because when we don't accept it is because we always believe that there is something we can do about it. And if you lie to yourself then, of course, you can keep spiraling up these thoughts and make a situation worse and worse and worse, while if you would just accept it, then you can just overcome it much easier. And that's why, you know, a lot of people, a lot of books say letting go. Letting go is in a certain level just accepting the situation for what it is. Oh, yeah. So now you might say, like, okay, I understand what you mean. So basically everything arises in a primitive way, like really on a core fundamental level, gets channeled from an intellectual level. Same with ego. Ego is a primitive defense mechanism, gets channeled through identity. And they can start getting connected and really strengthen each other. You can have someone with a strong ego, but with a weak identity. Or someone with a strong identity and a weak ego. Or someone with a strong ego and a strong identity. Basically, the identity is actually the channeling of the ego. And it can strengthen and figure as a shield to protect, for example, if you're very, you know, have very low self-esteem or if you are very easily hurt, then the ego can actually protect you against that, can even funnel certain validation and help you grow. And that's why there's even books that talk about it, that ego can actually, or identity, a strong identity can actually help you build self-esteem and validation if you are really in a state where you cannot, you know, carry the weight yourself and then as you get to a certain position you can let go of that identity and this ego problem is though it doesn't always go that simple because if you're very attached to it it becomes a harder process but i don't want to maybe i'll talk another time more deeply about this but if you understand that you have these primitive roots that get more and more intellectually channeled through concepts and your ability to word these urges and these feelings and put them into concepts and understandings really allows you to get a better understanding of what you are So now what is the situation? And this is like something else I want to say that is very important for people to understand. When you talk to someone, right, and you create a certain mental image of that person, then basically you only have so much information. You get the information of his body language, what he says and such, maybe your previous experiences with that person, maybe what other people said, and you create a certain mental image. But the thing is you always have blind spots. You have basically voids of lack of information. And the thing is what people do, and it's a very important insight to know. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because it happened here. And I explained this process and I said like, oh, I never actually talked about it on the stream. So I'm going to talk about it. When you have these voids, you fill them up with your own experience. And as a result, you see in the person part of yourself. And that's why sometimes I say in certain situations, the way a person reacts and reads you says more about him than about you. Because the lack of information gets filled in with his own experience. And even more so, 
with his view of the world and identity. Of course, it's not always waterproof. Sometimes he can have certain experiences, bad experiences with someone else and fill that void with that, but sometimes more often. So you fill it up with your own experience. Example, if you would invite a guy to come to your place and you are a serial killer and you would have to trust the person and you don't know him so well, you will see the chances of that person being a serial killer as more likely because you are a serial killer. If you are not a serial killer, the idea of the person being a serial killer doesn't even pop into your mind. This is a very extreme example, but it just goes to show, like, if you distrust someone, a lot of the time it's a reflection of you not being able to trust yourself. Like, the reason why I'm so trustful and I believe in people and I believe in people's potential is because I see myself in them and I see what I can achieve, therefore I see what they can achieve. If I would be very distrustful in everything and I would be actually a scammer or a douchebag, then I would automatically assume that and I would fill in the voids and the blank spots with the way I see myself. And being aware of that allows you to understand and learn a lot about yourself by the way you look at others. Because sometimes, like, I had a talk with Samuel yesterday and he was talking about, like, oh, how he distrusts stuff and stuff. And then I pointed that out and I said, like, it's important to understand that the issue here is not so much that you don't trust the situation and such, but rather that you don't trust yourself. And I explained this entire thing and he was like, whoa, that's really interesting. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. Because at the end of the day, the reason why you do that, the reason why you conceptualize like that is because it allows you to go about the situation with more confidence, even if it's not true and inspires more action and direction than if you would just talk to people and just get the information and base yourself on the information you get. It's too little. You have to fill up these mental images yourself. You don't have the time or you don't have the energy or the resources to every time go in-depth everywhere. Although giving people the benefit of the doubt is always something I would advise. And what I also told uh, Samuel, and that is why I also explained this, because it's a very, 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 very powerful insight. One of the more powerful insights from the real talk is that whenever you experience dissonance about the outside world, whenever it's about the environment or about your neighbor or about your friend being a douchebag or about the girlfriend like being a, a bitch or whatever, whenever you experience dissonance, no matter in which situation, what you always have to do is to spin it so you are the focal point. And what I mean with that is you always try to make turn the situation in a circle of influence instead of a circle of concern. In every single situation, you try to do that. And if it's pure concern, then you just accept it and you let it go. But if you can, spin it, try to always become the cause. And that's also something I told Ricardo, like, I think more than half a year ago. I never talked about it on The Real Talk as well, and he, he actually wrote it down. I say, whenever something goes bad, I always blame myself. Whenever something goes bad, I always blame myself. Because I say, that is how I gain control over the situation. If it's really completely out of my hands, of course, that's a different story. But by always blaming myself... I always think, how can I improve? How can I do better? And even if it's about other people's decisions, I think, how could I have inspired or influenced this person to make another choice? And the thing is, if you go about life like that, like, for example, Samuel coming and saying, like, yeah, I have these doubts about, you know, maybe manipulating or maybe whatever, like, like just this distrust by being able to frame it towards himself, he can actually start working on it. And it becomes not a source of negative energy that gets channeled from something he doesn't have under control. And as a result, you actually tackle 
tackle the issue. You tackle the dissonance. Because as long as it's something, a source of negativity that you don't have under control, conceptually, you don't have under control, it can really constantly create a cycle of you know, frustration and dissonance and it doesn't solve the issue. While if you start making it something you can work on, you basically have full control over the entire situation. And then let's say, for example, you're in a situation where it is the outside environment, then even then I would make it about myself and say like, oh, I can still leave. And if you cannot leave, like in a really shitty situation, you just accept it. So it's a really very structured way of going about how you cope with thoughts and dissonance and emotions and being able to frame them towards yourself and being able to turn them from a problem that is outside your reach to something that you can actually work with and do something about. And that's a really very structured way of thinking. And that really turns you from problem-oriented person to a solution-oriented person. And trust me, you want to be a solution-oriented person. It will help you much more in life. The problem with that is like a lot of people love to pity themselves. They love to get into that situation of like, yeah, look at me, oh, look at me. Like have a very low awareness, very validation seeking. and feel like taking all the time. And they like to take that spot of victim and blame the world so they don't have to, to do anything about it. So they, they can stay in their comfort bubble. And sometimes it works. Maybe if you're a cute girl, it can work. But at the same time, I would always advise for people to always find the way where you get control. Of course, if you can use these cards and it helps you and you just use it from a practical point of view rather than an emotional, so it's more thought through, sure, do whatever. But if you become emotionally attached to that way of going about problems, you're really carrying around your own biggest problem, which is yourself. And by doing so, you won't really be able to solve these issues, even though the solution is within you. So always try to find the solution within you. Even if the situation sounds like it's all external, always try to see how you can become the problem within that setting so you can actually work some, on that. And then, like, I go even further, and I already talked about it a lot on streams, like, for example, the Ukraine crisis or the Palestine-Israel crisis. When people talk about it, I always say these things are circle of concern. You always have to think about what is the influence you can have. How can you move forward? How can you actually, as a person, make a difference? Because it's very easy to look at all these big things and go like, oh, and wine and this and that. But it's always about how can you make a difference? How can you be part of the solution rather than be part of the problem? So it all is interconnected because it also gives you control. Like, as you can see, I build it from the foundation of like, you have these safety concerns, they get channeled more intellectually in how you actually also translate in understanding other people and um, how being able to conceptualize your emotions allows you to give you more structure, more understanding. And I will go even further into that is like being able to put your feelings into words, being able to put your core emotions into words is fundamental to your development. It's fundamental. It's also fundamental to understand others. And that's something I've been experiencing a lot since I've been talking so much to the girls. What a girl loves more than anything is that you can put their emotions into words. Because putting emotions into words is really hard. Like we struggle with it all the time. But the more you know yourself, the more you can put your own emotions into words and concepts and phrase them, the better you get at it, at spotting it in other people and do the same. And I can tell you there is nothing more attractive than being someone that can really say some, to someone that doesn't fully understand his feelings or her feelings and explain what is going on. Put it into words. And that is something I've realized more and more 
how important that process is because by the moment you put emotions into words and concepts, you can start working on it and you can start overcoming them or take action or just accept them. It makes something that is more primitive into something more intellectually concrete. And it's something that is crucial for your development. Like, else we would just be feral childs. If we wouldn't have language or anything, our ability to be so developed and so educated is because of our ability to conceptualize our emotions. And this comes to another point I wanted to make, because this is how conceptualization and thoughts and ideas translate from just thoughts and knowledge to awareness. Because that's also something I talk a lot about. I say, like, I have a selfless awareness. I have a choiceless awareness. For me, it's not a thought that I'm ramming in my head. I just do it. So what is awareness? How does it work? And the best way of me explaining it is with a metaphor. So you've understood how important thoughts are. You've understood how important your emotions, verbalizing them to yourself are. Because it gives you ability to get more control over them. Else, they're just there, basically sneaking around, and you don't really have a connection. But the moment you connect them, you can actually turn these emotions and make them liable. Like literally, on a neurological level, the moment you load an emotion, they become changeable and you can rewire them. So the moment you connect the right thought with the emotion, by thinking, you literally load up the emotion. So like being able to conceptualize these emotions is very important because it creates literally a link between your more advanced part of the brain and your more primitive part of the brain. You connect them by putting your emotions into words. You connect your intellectual part with your more subconscious part. That's why it's such an important process. And that's why it also can be such a relief when you feel understood or when you understand, well, that's how I feel. It's really a relief because you find a channeling, a pathway between more your intellectual part and more your primitive part and as a result you can make these emotions liable through protein synthesis or whatever it's called like you can look it up so that's how your brain works it's actually you have quite a lot of control that's why being mindful can be so enriching but on top of that being able to understand your emotions and conceptualize them is a priori an important thing to do because it allows you to access them it's basically the door to access these emotions on top of that, uh, you can get to understand them also through meditation and stuff, through talking about it. Like talking to someone that is very highly aware and understands people, that is very emotionally intelligent, can also help a lot. That's why a lot of the time when I talk to people, they come to a lot of revelations. If I have a talk here with someone, they really like rapidly, very rapidly develop because I spot emotions and I put them into words. And as a result, the person really grows quickly because a lot of the part of your growth is being able to find the right concepts that are connected to these emotions. So why am I explaining this? Why is this important? How does it relate to awareness? And this is the metaphor. I'm going to give you a metaphor because it's the best way for me to be able to explain this. Imagine you're blind. Being blind is, by the way, very different than closing your eyes. It's not because you close your eyes that you're blind. Being blind is like a blind person sees as much as you see through your elbow. You understand? And you see like, but there is nothing through my... Well, that's what a blind person sees. So imagine you're completely blind, right? And then because of some kind of technology, they find a way to, you know, like, you can see again, right? Let's say you can see. So basically, imagine a blind person starts seeing. He will see very similar than you and me. When I say very similar, don't get me wrong. Of course, things will be more vague and harder. But like the input is the same. The processing isn't the same. Let's say you're blind and you start seeing. And I say like, hey, this is a bottle. And this is where awareness comes. When you look at this bottle... 
you just see a bottle, right? You don't think, there is no thought like bottle, 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 oh. No, you just know it's a bottle. It's knowing. It goes more than knowledge. It's actually knowing that it's a bottle. It's part of your awareness. Now you're blind, you start seeing, and I point to this. I said, this is a bottle, this is a bottle. You cannot understand it. You might think like, yeah, okay, there is a thought that this is a bottle. Okay, this is a bottle. I understand it in a sense like, like but I don't, ex- like, it's just a thought. Okay, bottle, bottle, this is a bottle. You have, you connect a thought on this thing that you have a very hard time understanding. But how do you turn this thought of this is a bottle into part of your awareness? And this is the beauty. And this is the difference between awareness and knowledge. The moment the blind person touches the bottle and understands it's a bottle, because he connects it with what he already knows, he goes like, ah, now I understand. Okay, he makes the connection between what he already has and knows and is part of his awareness with the thoughts and the knowledge. And as a result, this bottle becomes part of his awareness. And it goes from knowledge to knowing. And that is, that is what you guys have to do. When I talk about making sense, when I talk about selfless awareness, when I talk about all these concepts, it's not about the thoughts. It's about being able to relate them to a point where it connects with your awareness. And the moment you do that, it goes from knowledge and thoughts to knowing and awareness. It's a very powerful insight. Because I always talk about, yeah, it has to be part of your awareness. But like, what is it? What is awareness? It's basically connecting it with your core self. It's making it part of your understanding on an emotional level. And then it becomes part of your awareness. So you have to find a way to relate these concepts of selflessness, of making sense to your own core self with what you already know through your own experience. It's like the blind person touching this bottle. You have to find a way to touch making sense, to touch selfless awareness, to be able to click with it. Because as long as you don't click with it, it's just me pointing to the bottle saying, this is a bottle. It will always stay a thought. It's only when you touch it and you make the connection that it becomes part of your awareness and it goes from a thought to knowing. I hope this helps. I think this will help because this is quite mind-boggling if you really fully wrap your head around because that's how it works with everything. When you think about things, when you read a book or whatever, what you read, it might be in front of you. The bottle is in front of you. It's there. But as long as you cannot connect it, as long as you cannot connect it with your reality, with your experience, it can be there all your life and you won't see it because truly seeing it is knowing it. It's connecting it. It's not about just seeing it and and having it as part of your thought, your reason. No. Fully implementing it is by connecting with it. That's my real talk, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Subscribe to youtube.com slash wins. Watch the live stream at twitch.tv slash live. And follow the real Athene on Snapchat.